Welcome to How Story Works from Shipperish Media. I'm concept developer, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich. We are breaking up How Story Works into four seasons following four topics, character, conflict, structure, and magic. This is episode one of season three, Structure. And today the conversation is Introduction to Structure, covering pages 65 to 76 in the How Story Works book, or the first half of chapter five, Structure in Theory, for readers following along in the Kindle or audiobook versions. Story is power, and we don't leave power on the table, so let's get to work. It's almost like we've done this before. Almost, uh, I yeah. just have to say, like, mm-hmm. I know we talked about the book mm-hmm. in the last episode, but I love being able to reference the book <laughs> to be like, yes, we were talking about these page numbers these page because numbers. the book is in fact done. The book is done. It's and, out there. It's available. And it is in people's hands and, and they're it reading is. it. And, and they are. And yeah. that is just so fantastic. Um, it's it's just so great. In our first two seasons of How Story Works, we talked about character and conflict. So what's up with structure? Oh my goodness. <laughs> structure is what you do with everything that you've learned so far. <laughs> um, the structure chapter of the book as as we discussed in you know in the uh, introduction, the reintroduction podcast that we did before, um, the structure chapter of the book was the hardest for me to write. Um, it was why we stopped doing conversations because I really wanted to sort out everything in a way that made sense and was easy to learn. Um, I had so many things that I understood better once I was able to get through that chapter, including some basic definitions. Like for instance, I have always struggled with the idea that I've kind of used story and narrative interchangeably. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I just had a gut feeling was wrong, but I didn't know what was wrong with it. So I uncovered that nuance. Um, so if you had these down from previous seasons and episodes of How Story Works, get out your pencils and amend. Mm-hmm. Um, story is an event or series of events that actually remains the same. So that'll stay with you. Um, but again, like narrative always bugged me. Um, it does get used interchangeably with story. I knew it was different, but I've always had trouble figuring out exactly how it was different. I had this feeling, but I hadn't shaken it all out yet. Um, and it wasn't until I was writing the structure chapter of how story works that I finally figured it out. Narrative is the meaning evoked by a story. Uh, people who listened to us back in the day in uh, Big Strong Yes, which Kelly and I did together, there was an episode where we were talking about, is that the narrative that feeds your soul? Yeah. Right? That when, um, and, and you know, for people who did not listen to Big Strong Yes, I'll just bring you up to speed with that conversation. Uh, that We were talking about those times in your life when certain things happen um, and you assign a meaning to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that often the meaning that we would assign to the things that happened were usually things that were what reflected poorest on us or what <laughs> meant that people didn't love us or what meant that we were garbage people. Like that was the meaning that we always pulled from them. And so in this discussion, we were like, is that the narrative that feeds your soul? Which has become a thing that Kelly and I throw at each other whenever <laughs> one of us is getting deep, deep into the bullshit. Um, and is that the narrative that feeds your soul? When I was thinking about that, I was like, yeah, Yes, narrative is about the meaning that we derive from something, the meaning that is evoked by how you're structuring, how you're telling your story. Um, And so once I was able to 
make that difference in my head to really like wrap my mind around that. That story is just a series of events. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that is again, recounted as I talk about in the book, that a series of events that is recounted is a story. Um, but narrative being the meaning, that is really what it's all about. That's what we tell stories to get to is that meaning. Um, so once I figured that out, then I understood that storytelling is the art of arranging or structuring a series of events in order to evoke the meaning that you want. Previously, like I was saying before, I kind of merged storytelling and narrative together and it made my understanding a little muddy, but separating them out, I was able to get a firmer grip on how structure works. Uh, so what I'm telling you here and in the book isn't all that different from what we talked about before. Um, but these subtle nuances can really help when you're trying to understand how all this theory works. Yeah. Um, but before we start on structure, we should revisit one quick thing that we learned in the season on conflict. Uh, central narrative conflict is the goal-based conflict between your protagonist and antagonist upon which the story is based and the structure is built. The protagonist has a goal. The antagonist has a mutually exclusive goal. Only one can win. That conflict is what you build your story structure on. Yes. And, and I think that this is so interesting because I had a really firm grasp on the conflict lock, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, there is one central narrative conflict to rule them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, those goals are designed to be mutually exclusive. Um, but the the idea of structure as the intentional choices that you are making mm-hmm. in the way that you are building that story really fascinates me because I am super interested in how the experience of a story shifts based on the delivery system, yes. you know, mm-hmm. like my experience of reading mm-hmm. Wicked mm-hmm. versus watching the musical mm-hmm. of Wicked, completely different experiences, mm-hmm. same story, right? Right, But the structure of those two are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so the narrative ends up being very, very different mm-hmm. because the, the meaning that is evoked from each of those works is not the same. Right. Um, and I was thinking about this even, even in, um, works that maybe are a little closer mm-hmm. to the original source um, before I pretty much gave up television for a year. <laughs> I watched Big Little Lies mm-hmm. um, and I had read the book mm-hmm. and I loved, loved mm-hmm. the book because of the structure. So it's a, it's, you know, at the core of that is a mystery. But what I adored about the book was you knew at the beginning that a murder had happened. Mm -hmm. You did not know until the end of the book which character had been killed. Mm -hmm. It's a very different experience reading a novel that is structured that way. Mm And when they made the TV adaptation, which they did a great job. Mm -hmm. Everybody in there did a great job, but they didn't follow that same structure. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very different experience. Oh, of course it would You know, and it was Mm -hmm. so interesting because I was like, okay, I know what happens. Mm -hmm. This is not about the twist. It's not about, you know, any of those things. But this feels very different. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, because the structure of those two interpretations of the same essential story Mm -hmm. is very, very different. Well, I love everything that you're saying because the structure is the way that we 
Um, we put those series of events in a story together to tell that. And the way that you change a structure around will absolutely change the narrative, change the meaning, change the experience of it. Um, you know, we're talking about the difference between, um, between like the book and the TV series. And I don't think that it comes down to necessarily form because I think the TV series could have figured out a way to do it the way that the book did. But yes. instead they went in a different direction and they did something different. Um, and this is why adaptation, that's a completely different discussion to talk about adaptation, but this is why adaptation tends to uh, sometimes upset people yeah. um, because they have an expectation based on the original form of the story. And so now they're seeing it in a different way, seeing it from a different angle. Maybe the story is being told in a different way. Um, and then that somehow will will mess with their idea of what this story should be. But the fact is you can take the same events and if you change the way they're told you change the sequence of those events um, you can change the entirety of the story and I think that's one of the most fascinating things about stories I absolutely love them yeah and I, and I think it's it has changed my I think ability to engage mm -hmm. with adaptation particularly mm -hmm. because I understand this is going to be the same story but I am going to experience a different narrative. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then that's also really interesting mm -hmm. to just kind of look at by itself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in fact, when uh, Sharp Objects was adapted mm -hmm. to TV, which is one of my all-time favorite novels ever, mm -hmm. uh, it was the closest adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I so the experience of watching, watching it and reading the book were very, very similar. Mm -hmm. There are some changes, but the experience was, was very similar. Mm -hmm. um, and I appreciated that very much. But it, it's, it's interesting now that I can also have that level of appreciation knowing mm -hmm. I am going to have a different narrative experience of this story. Yes. And it kind of opens up some doors for different adaptations, mm -hmm. which I just think is fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... The theory of structure, we're mm -hmm. going to talk about some basics, and we're going to start by defining our goddamn terms, which I love. <laughs> so what we're going to do is is a very quick, uh, what we would call in the instructional world, we're going to do a very quick popcorn exercise, or a call and respond, uh -huh. if you will. Okay. Since I did officiate your wedding, I yes. kind of feel like I can get into that <laughs> mode, right? So, you know, you don't have to kneel between these, but mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a word. You're going to give me the definition. I'm going to okay. give you a word. You're going to give me the definition. Okay. We're going to go fast. All right. All right ready? I love it when you're in charge. There we go. Story. An event or series of events. Narrative. The meaning evoked by a story. Conflict. Two opposing forces. Mundane conflict. Conflict without opposing goals. Narrative conflict. Goal-based conflict. Central narrative conflict. The narrative conflict upon which the structure of a story is built. Structure. The order in which the events of a story are sequenced. Narrative structure. A structure sequenced purposefully to evoke a particular narrative. Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia is when you make a sound or a word that sounds like a sound, like when a cat says meow or a cow says moo. Okay, so I was just completely messing with you on that one. <laughs> I mean, good job. Well, I think so. I think that's it, right? It's, onomatopoeia <laughs> is a word that sounds like a sound. I think so. As I recall. I completely just made that up. Oh, my God. I have no Mr. Kuhn, my 10th like, grade English teacher, would be so proud of me. You handled that beautifully. I can also spell it for you. Uh, I cannot spell it. Okay, that was very, very impressive. Thank you, yes. That, and I don't know why that was the word that came to mind. I love it. It's one of my favorite words. It's such a weird word. It's such mm -hmm. a fun word to say. It is a really fun word to it say. It really is. <laughs> um, okay, so you have given quite a lot of thought. Mm-hmm 
to storytelling and structure. Mm -hmm. So my question with my rebel heart and as a lover of stories that rarely follow any Mm -hmm. of your rules, do you have to have a structure? You can't not have a structure. (laughs) You can't avoid it. Is it a good structure? I mean, Uh, maybe not. Um, But the thing is, is that whenever you have like a story is a series of events, right? Mm -hmm. And because of the way in which the space-time continuum works, right? You you have to have one after the other. Now, in the story, they don't have to be chronological. But in in the way that you tell the story, you're going to have the thing that you tell first. And then you're going to have the thing that you tell second. And you're going to have the thing that you tell third. That's a structure. Mm -hmm. That is just the order in which the the story elements, the story events are sequenced Mm -hmm. in the way that you retell it. Um, so no matter what, you can't help but have um, but have a structure. Now, having a narrative structure. Now, narrative structure, which is when you put a... Um, okay, let me do that. Sorry. Because we're in the same room, then there's going to be a little bit of you always on my microphone. So I have to make sure it's complete silence before I start again. Thank you, Jack. I love you. All right. Now, narrative structure, which is when you take this piece and this piece and this piece and put them in a specific order for a specific purpose because you are trying to evoke a particular meaning, that is something that you will want to develop the skill set to build. But a structure is just this, this, this. You're just telling them in a certain order. Okay, cool. So when you're explaining structure, Mm -hmm. kind of when we were going back and saying, what do we need to review before we get here? Mm -hmm. The, the big areas that you picked were about conflict and specifically central narrative conflict. Yes. So why is conflict so central? <laughs> Look what I did there. Why is conflict so important to structure? It is very important to narrative structure. Having a central narrative conflict is important to narrative structure because if you don't know what your central narrative conflict is, And that is what your structure is built upon, your narrative structure when you're trying to evoke this very particular meaning. Then you don't know what order to put the series of events in Mm -hmm. Um, and the ways in which you tell them, the way you you build from one event into the next. So understanding central narrative conflict is absolutely pivotal to being able to build a narrative structure. Okay. And you can have, and we, we have talked about this before too, but you can have different types of conflict and structure in the same story. You absolutely can. Um, And this is the thing, like, uh, and again, if any of this gets confusing, go back, review the stuff on conflict that we talked about. Definitely get the book. Yeah. The book is so much clearer and it's so much, you know, more straightforward. Well, and the visuals in the Mm -hmm. book are really, really helpful. visuals in the book. Yeah. And even if you've got the audio book, you've got the PDF. You get the PDF with the visuals as well. Um, But the thing about conflict is that um, you've got narrative conflict and you've got mundane conflict, right? So narrative conflict is conflict that is based on a goal. I want this. Um, so-and-so doesn't want me to have that. And I want you to give me a dollar. Right. And I am not going to give you a dollar. <laughs> but you really should give me a but dollar. But now I'm blocking you from getting the dollar. So we cannot both have what we want because I want your dollar and you don't want to give it to These me. These are mutually exclusive <laughs> goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you have that, that narrative conflict, you have these mutually exclusive goals, um, then that's what you can build that narrative structure on. So understanding that as a narrative conflict. Now, um, a mundane conflict is any conflict that is not goal-based. That is just like, you know, um, there's something that I don't like or there's something that we're arguing over, like we can't decide what to have for dinner or, you know. I think I it's like, philosophically wrong that you don't want to give me a dollar. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
And that that is like bickering, right? You know, that is just bickering about something, but it's not necessarily around a goal. You will find this a lot in like a lot of like romances where people are just kind of fighting and bickering because because it's fun. It's fun to have that Dave and Maddie, you know, moonlighting kind of bickering back and forth. But if it's not goal based, then it's mundane conflict. It could be fun to have in a scene, but it's not something that you build a story on. Mm -hmm. So um, understanding that um, you've got these two different kinds of conflict. One of them you can build a story on, one of them you can't. But also, and this is the thing I think where people get tripped up, you can have more than one narrative conflict within a story. So you can have a subplot that has a narrative conflict that is goal-based and may have its own structural escalation nested into the larger central narrative conflict and structure. But that is a subplot narrative. Um, that is a subplot conflict. Um, you can have parallel structures where you've got a number of different stories going on. All of them have their own narrative conflict upon which that parallel structure story is based um, and then they just kind of run alongside each other. I think Game of Thrones is probably my favorite example of the parallel stories where we have a story that is, you know, we have a protagonist for one storyline, they're going through their conflict, and then you've got a protagonist for another storyline, and they're going through their conflict, and they're just kind of both happening in the same world, but not necessarily interacting with each other. Um, so there are different ways to have different kinds of narrative conflicts and different structures within a single story. Um, that's where things get a little bit complicated. So don't worry about that if that confuses you right now. For the moment, let's just look at one central narrative conflict, one central narrative structure upon that conflict, which is built upon that conflict. Yeah. Okay, very yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my favorite things that you put together for the How Story Works book mm -hmm. was this idea of we're going to simplify the the concept mm -hmm. of a structure. Yes. So it's a handy acronym mm -hmm. that is difficult to execute, <laughs> but really easy to remember, uh, which is C-change. That is S-E-E -E, change. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and this is when I talk about, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, any structure will work. Any structure will work as long as it has C change, right? Um, and by that, it's S, start the conflict. E, escalate the conflict. E, end the conflict. And then change the world. So I wrote that out as S-E-E, -E, change, so that you can remember what those four elements are. Now, what happens with this is that you start the conflict at the beginning, right? And then escalate the conflict ends up being most of the book, right? Mm -hmm. Most of your story, most of everything you're doing. Then end the conflict comes at the end and then you follow that right up with the resolution scenes, um, which is the change the world part where we show how the world has changed um, and we show what everything means through our resolution scenes. And when I talk about change the world, I mean, that can be something that is an external change, like the entire world has changed because of the events in this story. But also changing the world is that the your protagonist has some internal change as well, which also tells us what the meaning is. So um, that can be a broad range of things that show what the change is. Um, but the, again, the change in the story tells you what it means. You cannot know what a story means until you've finished reading it and seen how the world changes. And then that's when you figure out what it's really about. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that scene change because it, it will work mm -hmm. with 
however you want to structure Mm -hmm. your story. And I mean, one of my favorite novels, if I tried to outline the structure, I would need like a three-dimensional board and I would end up with what was like the time diagram in the good place. (laughs) Because, I mean, I think there's four timelines and each one has its own protagonist and subplot. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's a book about a book based on a book, (laughs) based on a true story Mm -hmm. that stars the book that they are now turning into a movie about the story that happened that was triggered by a book Mm -hmm. that was all based on a book. Right. Right? So if that sounds like fun to you, the book is Plain Bad Heroines, and I cannot recommend it highly enough Mm -hmm. because I, I absolutely loved every single second of it, Um, but it would not outline neatly no into into a a structure format but there is a conflict Mm -hmm. it does start it does escalate it Mm -hmm. does end and you have a world at the beginning and you have a different world when you get done yeah um Mm -hmm. it's a a non-linear experience (laughs) Uh, but i absolutely adore it um but i think that if you can take this sea change and really think about those four major pieces Mm -hmm. but your ultimate goal is what are you expressing about the world as it is when you start Mm -hmm. and what are you expressing about the world as it is when you have finished and the delta between those two is what is going to give you that meaning right that narrative of that story and you can intentionally structure that to guide that reader through where you want them to go Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is just really amazing and I like I really like when very complicated ideas can be simplified into a framework that is easy to remember. So It is. It's a very simple framework, but yeah. it's incredibly modular. Like once you understand this basic structure, right? This basic four points of structure, you can build it into plain bad heroines. Yes. Like, and the thing is, is that you can take a bunch of these, you can have them running parallel, you can have them interacting with each other, you can have all sorts of things happening. Like there are infinitely complex variations that you can do understanding this basic setup. So, um, so it does sound incredibly simple. And I mean, in a lot of ways it is, it's a simplified understanding also of what you're doing as a writer at any given point. At this point, I know that I'm starting this conflict at this point. I know that I'm escalating this conflict and that escalation can go on for a really, really long time. Like you can keep escalating, escalating, escalating. Um, and that is also a lot of fun to do. And there are a lot of things that you can do in there. Um, but then you've got subplots and you've got parallel structures and you've got, you know, uh, so many other things that you can do within that story. Um, and once you understand the simplicity of this, you can spin it out and make it incredibly complex. And the more analysis that you do of stories, especially understanding this basic structure, the more analysis you do diving into stories like that, um, you can see how all of these elements are working together to kind of create that. It's sort of like a a symphonic crescendo, right? When you've got something that complicated, you know, there's so many things that are that are kind of coming together and crashing together at that at that final point of that story. Um, but yeah, there's it's it seems it's deceptively simple. Once you understand these base concepts, uh, you can spin it out into infinite you know, um, variations. It's yeah. so, so cool. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have to shout out Plain Bad Heroines was written by Emily in Danforth. 
because I cannot say the book without saying the author because yes, that yes, is yes. just rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because we were about to kind of talk about some um, some homework. Yeah. But I just thought of something when I was listening to you mm-hmm. talk that is not in our notes and yeah. was not homework that we thought of. But I think it would be a really interesting exercise to watch a movie or read a book only in bookend. Mm-hmm. So maybe you watch the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes and nothing in between. Oh, maybe interesting. Maybe read the first chapter and the last chapter and nothing in between. Mm-hmm. And then you write your own structure. What would you do What would you that? do to get there? Interesting. Knowing where you're starting and, and knowing, knowing where you're ending, what would you do in the middle? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I love that. I impromptu A little homework. outline for that. I right? absolutely love that. But that would be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you take some of the, you know, like the fairy tales mm-hmm. that we've all worked with. Right. Well, mm-hmm. then you have your opening scene and your closing scene. Mm-hmm. But why don't what you, you do completely recreate what happens in between? Yeah. And you'll get some really good practice with structure. That absolutely is um, a really great way to practice with structure and to get a sense of um, of ha- what you might do. But I love the idea of starting with something that you don't know, that yeah. you're not familiar with. You know the beginning. You know the ending. What would you do in the middle to connect those dots? Yep. And uh, what would be really fascinating is to see the different ways that people would... Uh, you know, the different ways that you would tell that story, because what you do in the middle, how you structure that tells us what it means. Exactly. You know? Oh my God. I love yeah. That. I think that I would be really, that. really interesting. And you could, I mean, you could do that with a buddy. You could do that mm-hmm. as a group and really then see how differently every single person would approach that. Right. Um, and if you ever feel stuck in your writing, oh, like I do mm-hmm. constantly, um, this is a great creative delimitation mm-hmm. where my beginning has been set, my ending has been set, mm-hmm. but now I can go in there and completely change the roadmap that we followed to get from point A to point Absolutely. B. What am I identifying in there about structure? Yeah. I think that would be really interesting. I love that. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about creative delimitation? Because it is one of those things that I think is so incredibly valuable. And again, this is completely off script. So here you get a little bonus. Um, And when you talk to me about creative delimitation, I've had the experience of that and how incredibly valuable it is and how incredibly like how it opens up creativity and inspiration for me. Um, why is this such magic? Okay. So I don't know the answer to why it's such magic, (laughs) except to say Mm -hmm. that creative delimitation helps everybody because Mm -hmm. it lets you build a fence. Yes. So if I take you out to the wild, wild pasture, as I am wont to do, Mm -hmm. um, and you have endless rolling hills for as far as your eye can see, Mm -hmm. and I say, go paint it, go forth and design a thing. And and there is no end in sight, mm-hmm. right? Where do you start? Yeah. Where do you finish? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, so creative delimitation is almost a way of building a fence. But I was introduced to this concept <laughs> um, in graduate school as because it is important to qualitative methodology. Mm-hmm. So when you're designing a research study, you have limitations that you can't control. Mm-hmm. It may be a deadline. It may be a budget. It may be that the audience that you want to study, that there are only certain members of that audience that you can access, Mm -hmm. that you can talk to. 
Um, you may not have the ability to observe on site for mm-hmm. six weeks the way that you wish you could, right? right? Mm-hmm. Those are limitations. Those are designed. You can't get around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a delimitation are limitations that you intentionally choose, mm-hmm. which makes them awesome because you get to pick them. Mm-hmm. Um, and by choosing your own delimitations, you're building a fence mm-hmm. around the space that you have to work in. Yeah. And I just ended a sentence in a preposition as a proper researcher should, because that is how academia works. But anytime you have a creative delimitation, it then opens up space within that fence. Mm-hmm. So if I said, write a short story and that's it, mm-hmm. where do you start? Yeah. Where do you finish? So many choices. So many choices, right? And my brain is the poster child for mm-hmm. adult ADHD. I will just freeze. Yeah. It is, it's too much open space, right? I am Sandra Bullock in gravity. Like I'm up there <laughs> and all of outer space is in front of me. Mm-hmm. And like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you said, write a short story where every sentence begins with the letter C mm-hmm. and also use these seven words somewhere in there mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Girl, I can write that. Mm-hmm. Now, is it going to be brilliant? know but i can do it Mm -hmm. right because then i have something that i can identify i have these delimitations Mm -hmm. um if it was take this story and turn it into xyz i can do that Mm -hmm. right because i think what it does is it puts your brain into the idea of generation and not Mm -hmm. creation right you know and you're still creating like there's no this isn't a cheat yeah. You know, she, this isn't like, oh, this is easy. It doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Creative delimitations help everyone. Mm-hmm. And one of my, my favorite examples of this, um, when I was trying to choose a topic mm-hmm. for my dissertation, <laughs> it was not going very well mm-hmm. because I could not pick one. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of started writing three. And that is not an experience I recommend mm-hmm. for anybody. Um, and I could not narrow down the ideas. Like I, there was too much, Mm -hmm. you know, and my committee chair put, she made me write a whole bunch of ideas on index cards, put them in a Mason jar and literally made me pick one. (laughs) I'm not kidding. She was like, that's it. You're married until you're done. Oh my God. To have and to hold until published. Like, this is it. This is Mm -hmm. your topic. And I thought that I was going to be really resentful of that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I would be like, no, no, I really meant that one. Let me go back mm-hmm. into the mason jar. It was the biggest relief. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, no, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm not second guessing myself because I'm leaning back mm-hmm. on that delimitation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Marissa Myers wrote a wonderful YA series um, that is, it's it's super cool. There's a fairy tale component to these mm-hmm. books. And the first one of those is called Cinder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a retelling of Cinderella as a cyborg. Yes. The books are fantastic. Yeah, you I know, I them. really mm-hmm. love them. Yeah. I love the third one where you have Rapunzel is like mm-hmm. in orbit. Oh, yeah. they're so good. <laughs> the way she did that, mm-hmm. um, I actually read a, a wonderful interview with her many, many years ago. Um, that she was feeling that need to have mm-hmm. some kind of cre- creative delimitation. And so she wrote, I don't know, maybe 20 different kind of genre or ideas mm-hmm. down and picked two. Mm-hmm. She was like, no matter what these two are, I am going to mesh them together. Right. And she pulled out fairy tales and steampunk. 
Oh my god, I love and it. And that's how she And it was great. They're so good. They're right? really, really good. So yeah. a creative delimitation mm-hmm. like that, it allows you to focus on what is inside your fence. Yes. And I just think not everybody needs that. Some mm-hmm. people don't need you know, any fences at all. Yeah. I need a lot of them. <laughs> I need so many. Um, so it's just incredibly helpful for me to, yeah. to really think about that. Well, see, I'm struggling with this right now. I am trying to decide what project I want to do next. I have two or three ideas um, that I'm kind of playing around with. And so I have um, Elisa Quitney and I have a writer's meeting every week. We sit down with each other and we're like, what did you do this week? What did you do? So we're keeping each other, you know, honest. And, um, And so I was like, all right. I said, here's the thing is that I have all of these ideas and I'm not choosing one. I'm not making a choice. I'm not deciding what to do. And I can do one and then come back to the other one. It's not like the other one is going to just disappear. Like it's still going to be there. Um, And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do story A, right? And so she was like, all right, in a week, I want you to come back and tell me, you know, what progress you've made on story A. And the week later, I came back and I was like, I decided I want to do story B. And I think that the problem Uh with me Uh is that because I know the only person putting that limitation on me is me, it's really hard for me to actually put that limitation in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as soon as I started working on story A, I was like, oh, but story B is so pretty. Um, And then I started thinking about story B and I was like, oh, but this isn't really, you know, so I'm, it's so funny because I really believe in the power of creative delimitation. Um, And yet I have such a hard time imposing those limits on myself. Oh, Cece, I have a great idea. Oh, I'm going to do it for you. Oh my God. Dr. Jones. I think the, the form Mm -hmm. of delimitation that I would put on you is time. Oh, so I say you do write A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, what is today? Oh my God, am I going to get another <laughs> December second? As we record this, is December second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So each of these is due to me <laughs> by March second. Um, I think you get thirty days uh-huh. with story A. Okay. And then you have to pause. Oh I don't care goodness. where you are in it. You get thirty days. That's it. And wow. then you have to start story B. Oh my God. And you get 30 days. You can't go back to A. A's got to sit. Oh my God. Story B gets 30 days and uh-huh. then you got to switch. I don't care. You could be two sentences away from the end. It's <laughs> done. You start story C, you have 30 days. Oh my goodness. All right. All right. All right. All right. Because will, then yeah. at that point, uh-huh. you can go back. You will have story A that will have now sat. Uh-huh. For 60 days. I know you. Yeah. I know your brain. At that time, you will know, is that the one to finish? Is that the one to finish? Oh, interesting. 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 I love this. I don't know that I'm going to do it because you, I'm terrible at I know, doing you're, homework. You're awful. As a matter of fact, like as many times as you've assigned me homework, and if my, my I know my therapist isn't listening because she's a professional, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, um, but my therapist who gives me assignments every week and then I don't do them, like it's always, I'm just terrible about stuff like that. Um, but I love this idea because it is so low commitment, yeah. you know, and I think that that may be what's holding me back is that I'm like, oh, but this one. Uh-huh. Um, so that would be really super interesting. I'm going to give it a try and I yeah. will report in on how story works, how that goes. Oh, I like that very yeah. much. Now, you can also do different versions of that. So uh-huh. maybe it's not the days. Yeah. Maybe you get 5,000 words. Yeah, on 5, story A. Words and, and then 5,000 words on story oh, B. I absolutely... And then 5,000 words on story C. 
And then you let them sit for a week. I resonate with that so And then you come back and say, okay, Mm -hmm. which one is... Now, you might come back and write them all, right? Mm -hmm. But at that point, which one is the most ready now? Yeah. Oh, God, I like that. You are just fucking brilliant, and I love you so much. Making up homework (laughs) is my favorite, favorite thing. If I could just get paid to assign homework and come up with ideas, oh I my know. God, I would be Oprah rich. Oh my God, that would, would be amazing. amazing. It, it would, would be, amazing. be amazing. Well, okay, y'all, you got to give enough money to Chipperish Media <laughs> that I can afford to pay Kelly <laughs> the uh, the salary that she deserves oh to do that kind of work. It would be amazing. You are so funny. It but would yeah, be amazing. I think that it is a matter of deciding mm-hmm. which limitation is going to work for you. Oh my because God, Because ultimately great. you're in charge. Mm-hmm. But I do think you should pick one. Yeah. That and and follow it through enough mm-hmm. that you can see how it works for you. I love it. God damn, we went off topic, but that's I know, okay. Isn't it great? I love it. This is what I miss podcasting I with you. Know. All right, so the homework that I had originally. Yes, there you if you decide that you want to do the homework that I had, um, the homework for me this week is to watch a movie um, and see and and take a movie that you're not familiar with, like a new movie or something yeah. that you so you've got like fresh eyes on it. See if you can identify the central narrative conflict. So that is the goal based conflict in which a protagonist wants something, antagonist wants something mutually exclusive, and they are in conflict and a win needs to be decided so see if you can identify the central narrative conflict and see if you can see where it starts and then escalates that's all of the middle you know um and then it uh, ends with the climax where the uh, conflict is decided a winner is decided and then how the world change um so also remember though that it might not be clearly there this might be one of kelly's favorite movies in which there's absolutely no structure and people yes. are just kind of like wandering around doing shit it's great um so I love some, it so much. Some <laughs> movies are less narratively structured. So be prepared for that. Don't try to like, you know, shove mm-hmm. the movie into a sock that does not fit. Um, but if you can't find it, if it is one of those movies, um, then your homework is to figure out what you might change with the story elements that are there um, to get a structure in there. What would you do differently? How might you change that story? And what would it do to the story? Because um, that is a really really fun so no matter what movie you pick there is going to be a valuable lesson in this homework yeah and it's kind of a combination of the two right Mm -hmm. because if you're watching i don't know any movie that i adore (laughs) you're gonna be like i i don't think there is a central narrative conflict which is fine yeah right Mm -hmm. you can still say how does the world start yeah how does the world end Mm -hmm. what would you do with that structure and what would it change Mm -hmm. then in the narrative, in the meaning of that story. I love it. I absolutely love it. And speaking of things that we love, this is the love what you love part of our program today. Dr. Kelly Jones, tell me, what do you love? Okay, so this is hilarious Mm -hmm. and not a movie I ever imagined myself uh, recommending. Mm -hmm. But my girlfriend took me to see Bros. (laughs) Yes, for real, in the theater. And... I usually don't go in for comedies. No, you don't. Like, Very rarely. It's My Blue Heaven and bro- and Bros, I think. My Blue Heaven, My Cousin Vinny. Oh, uh, yeah, My Cousin Vinny. But I'm a cheerleader. Oh, but I'm a cheerleader. Which, by the way, is a perfect, flawless, excellent goddamn movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I will watch I will watch that movie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but Bros delighted me. Mm-hmm. And then I was so surprised by how much I was delighted that I was delighted all over again. Oh. So it was both hilarious 
and adorable. I love uh, it. Very, very highly recommended. So mm-hmm. what about you? What are you loving right now? Oh, man. You know what? And I know I've mentioned this before, but like every year, there's a certain time of year where I just feel like revisiting my favorites, you mm, know? Um, yeah. I got to tell you, it is flea bag season for oh. me. I, every year, go back to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, did flea bag, I believe, in America. It's available on Amazon. Um, but it's it's around, you know, you can you can definitely find find it um but Fleabag is and it's two short six episode seasons so much story is packed in there yes. so much beautiful beautiful character work I mean the character work in this is just it's so good. the central love story between these two sisters is one of my favorite loves I love a love story I will always go back for a love story yeah. and that central love story um, is probably one of my favorites of all time um, it's there's so much fun there um, and it's also heartbreaking devastating and cringy and wonderful and there's a million times um, my husband and I will refer to Fleabag all the time when we make jokes that will be references to Fleabag um, and and uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. So I'm definitely going back for yes. another season of Fleabag. You subjected me to Fleabag. Yes, and I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it, it's funny because I think I think it's in the second season mm-hmm. where I was doing some of this homework a yes. little bit because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, I'm about to rewrite this whole thing as a ghost story. <laughs> like I am like, I am convinced <laughs> this is actually a ghost story. But like uh-huh. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acting in that is so mm-hmm. superb. But Hot Priest, I mean, come on. Oh, my God. The Hot Priest. The Hot Priest. Is so great. I love him so much. It is so great. I adored him Mm -hmm. in the BBC Sherlock. Yes, he was Moriarty's same actor, Andrew Scott. Yes. So Mm -hmm. talented. Mm -hmm. So talented. Um, But like smoking Hot Priest. Mm -hmm. Um, That show was adorable. But I think my takeaway, you know, you kind of remember like the one thing, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe the thing that sticks with you. Or maybe it's just a first impression of a story. But every time I wake, I'm like, I don't want to do housework. Uh-huh. I think I'll just stage a breakup with the person that would come and click. Like, I don't know why. That is so funny. Oh, it is so yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. It is so terrible. And it makes me laugh every time every I think about it. Every single time. So no, I fully really support your choice. Thank you. To rewatch Fleabag. Thank you very much. I feel like there's, <laughs> there's something calling to me in Fleabag. And maybe it'll help me write the 5,000 words of three different stories that I need to write because they've been assigned by Dr. Kelly Jones. And when Dr. Kelly Jones assigns something, you say, yes, ma'am. Yeah, and then you skip it and don't actually do your homework. But that's okay because (laughs) I will just call you out. (laughs) All right. If you'd like to join in the discussion, Patreon supporters can reach us through the Discord channel. And y'all can find me on TikTok. Just search for Lonnie Diane Rich or How Story Works. I also have a writing-focused weekly newsletter. You can find that at dearwriter.substack.com. The How Story Works podcast and everything Chipperish Media does is made free to all by our generous patrons. If you're getting value out of this discussion, we ask that you help us out by kicking a dollar or two a month our way so we can keep making these shows. Go to patreon.com slash chipperish for more. This episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chippers Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our Power Producers. Alice, Christina, Erica, Gear, Holly, Jane, Kevin, Kristen, Michael, Rochelle, Rose, Sarah, Shelley, Stephania, and Stephanie. 
We will be back next time with our discussion of all the narrative units you need to tell your story. For those of you with the How Story Works book, we're going over pages 76 to 92. For the audiobook or Kindle versions, it'll be the second half of Chapter 5, Structure and Theory. See you then.